Hey, nice to have you here this morning. Thanks for making Village Green your stop for worship this morning. And, um, you know, I want to I begin by, by telling you a little bit of, uh, of my past and a little bit of a, a question that I think is really important that I learned a number of years ago. Before going into ministry, I was um, on track for a business degree. And I remember during... Um, during some of the business classes, we were talking about employees and we were talking about how do you assess people under you or, or you, know, you know, your peers, whether or not, you know, how much value they bring to an organization. Now, this works in the business, business world. This works in, in the nonprofit world. It works in the church world. If you want to assess volunteers, for instance, what's a really good question? And I learned this really good question about how quickly you can assess the value of somebody just by asking this one question. Here's the question. If you could, would you clone them? If you could, would you clone them? Now, that's a really powerful question because right away, you know, that, that raises, you know. Um, yeah, you know, if you would say, I would clone them in a heartbeat without even, you know, or the other thing it does, right, whether it's business, whether it's church, whether you're talking about volunteers, right away it says, you know, it raises the anxiety of the things maybe you don't want to see doubled, right? Do, do I want to see another uh, one of them, you know, walking around and, and helping around. So it's a really, really powerful question. And, and, and I noticed that over the years, sometimes, sometimes the staff looks really weird at me because I'll say I would clone them. And I never realized that I, I never given the background to, to why I would say that from time to time. But we all have people in our lives that we know or, or people that we work with or volunteers that we have in the church that we would clone them in a heartbeat. If, if, if possible, I don't want to get into the ethics of all that, but, you know, but we, we have people, we have volunteers, we have employees, we have, you know, those people in our lives that if we had a chance, we would clone them right away. Now, you know, whether it's the business world or the ministry world, I've noticed one thing over the years, the people that I would want to clone the most, the people that every time I wanted to clone had one characteristic and one characteristic in every instance. And I realized this just this week when I was surveying all the people and asking that question. Here, here's the one characteristic every person had. And that was encouragement. They were great, great Great encouragers. And you know what the rub is in all of that? They weren't necessarily the very best employee. They weren't necessarily the person that had the most sales or the person. You know, you know what I'm saying? There were other people that when it came to the skills, when it came to the job, when it came to the, you know, the volunteer you know, time investor or anything like that, they weren't necessarily the very, very best when it came to filling out the job description. But when it came to this one characteristic, every single time, every single time, the person was a great encourager. There is nothing like having someone who can lift the spirits, who can mobilize people, who can make them feel like they, they can do it or, or, or move in a direction where it doesn't look hopeless any longer. There's just something very powerful about a person who can encourage tremendously and lift an entire organization, an entire team, even you out of where you are and move you in a direction that you can't do otherwise. 
without having him there. So I'm going to take you on a little journey of the biblical principles of encouragement. Because it's one of the, you know, we're talking about community builders. And we've talked about unity. We've talked about hospitality. You know, um, and, and we're going to talk about encouragement. And again, I think encouragement is this wonderful gift that God has given the church. And I've said this many, many times. Encouragement is one of those gifts that you don't need special training for. You don't need to be, you know, wait for a special day for it. Or you need to, you know, you know it, it's just none of the stuff that we normally do when it comes to skill building. Encouragement you can do anytime, anywhere, anyplace. And yet, how many of us, how many of us utilize this tool that God has given the church in a way that moves us forward in a hopeful expectation of what God can do? So I'm going to take you through a number of passages this morning and sort of really build a case for this thing that we called encouragement because a church that encourages is really a powerful church. I'm taking you to Proverbs 10.21 and I'm going to give it to you in two versions because this is really a beautiful verse. The words of the godly encourage many. But fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. That's the NLT. The, the NASB says this, the lips of the righteous feed many. Righteousness and encouragement are paralleled in this passage. But fools die for lack of understanding. What I love about this particular passage is in the Hebrew, this, this, this concept of feeding many is actually the terminology of shepherding. That the righteous, the encourager, has a way of feeding people and encouraging people and feeding their souls and lifting them up and, and making a difference in their, in their lives. And in fact, this is the same root word in Psalm 20, 23 where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. That to be shepherded by an encourager is to feed your soul, is to feed your heart, is to build you up in a way that demonstrates and reflects the heart of God into that person's life. That's what the, the, the writer of Proverbs is saying here. What, and and what, what is interesting about, about this last part where it says, but fools are destroyed by the lack of common sense, or they die for lack of understanding. The actual Hebrew, I love this, actually says... The fool has poverty in their hearts, and that poverty in their heart leads to death. That it's like a desert because of the discouragement or the encouragement they lack hearing. That they become fools, and it becomes like a desert for them. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That you know, how many of us have ever experienced poverty in our hearts? That we can be rich in every other way. That we can be strengthened. In, you know, from the externals, people will look in and say, my goodness, they must have a good life. But the reality is, you're living with poverty in your heart. And you feel like you can die. And you feel like a desert. And you need the strengthening and you need the nurturing. And you need to be built up. But it's not happening. Okay, that's 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 the power of, of encouragement. I'm going to I'm going to give you the Hebrew, Greek and, and the English uh, definitions here of uh, 
of encouragement. In the Hebrew, the word is related to strength. It means to strengthen someone, to actually carry them along. It's like they're so weak that they can't take another step forward. And you, as the encouragement, come along, actually pick that person up, put them on your shoulders. You know the, the, the Psalm 23 picture? Where the Lord is my shepherd. And we've always got that picture of, of you know, Jesus carrying the sheep, right? I, you know, the, the, that, that iconic picture that we have. That's actually what's depicted in the Hebrew word. That you can't manage on your own any longer. Someone comes alongside, picks you up, and carries you. Isn't that wonderful? In the Greek, it, it means to come alongside of, to admonish, to exhort. So not only is it the physical picking up. It's also the, the, the verbal as well. That, that, that it's, it's, it's a twofold understanding of, this, of, of encouragement, right? You know, you know how easy it is to say something positive to someone? To lift them up? In the English, it means to give courage to someone or, or courage to, to something. You know, how many, how many of us have felt discouraged to the point that we don't want to go on any further? Right? And you need the courage. There's somebody that says, you know, you can do it. It is, it is okay. I know how you're feeling. I can help you through this. You know, there's so many life circumstances that we find ourselves just needing a push from someone who cares. A push from someone who cares. That's the power of this particular, particular word. And, and encouragement, believe it or not, reflects the character of God. Reflects the character of God. Let me read you a New Testament passage. One of my favorite New Testament passages because it's so powerful. In Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. The writer to the, to the Hebrews. And here's the thing. The book of Hebrews is, is written to believers. Jewish believers who are being threatened to return to Judaism. To walk away from faith. And the writer is encouraging them to stay strong in the faith. That there's nothing that surpasses Jesus. No matter where you look. Whether you look at other prophets. Whether you look at angels. Whether you look at other religions. Whatever it is. There is nothing that surpasses Jesus in a life of faith. And this is what he writes to them. Let us hold tightly without wavering the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another or encourage one another to acts of love and good works. How many of us think doing the right thing is the painful thing and doing the right thing, why should I? Why should I just keep doing the right thing? Why should I just keep being good before God? Because where's it going to get me? The writer of Hebrews says, don't give up. And a lot of times when you encourage somebody, you're coming alongside of them and you're basically helping them not to give up. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. What the writer of Hebrews was terrified about is that people would just stop meeting together and getting together. Because the thing, you know, don't take this wrong, okay? The reason why we say... We get together is to worship God. All right? That's all well and good, and that's theologically correct. Most of us get together in a community because we love to be encouraged. We love to hear other people sing. We love to hear other people, um, you know, 
be there and just to feel like we're not alone. How often do we think that I want to go to church because I want to be encouraged? I don't want to feel like I'm by myself. I'm having doubts. I don't want to feel like these doubts are, are, are going to get the best of me. How many times? And the worship is really what encourages us to continue our walk with God. That's what we're really looking for. Please don't write me emails about that, okay? Um, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So this is a wonderful passage. So I want to talk about the power of encouragement. and Let's flesh this passage out a little bit more. The very first thing I want to take out of this passage is the power of encouragement as it relates to us, us personally. Um, can I have the next slide, please, Aiden? Thanks. This one is personal, the power, power of encouragement. Embrace God's encouragement personally is what this passage is talking. How many of us, you know, when, when we say, describe God for me, you're going to talk in the big theological terms, right? You're going to talk, oh, he's omnipresent, he's, you know, he's omniscient, he, all, all this kind of stuff. How many of us realize that God is a personal encourager to us that his word becomes a personal encouragement of how we continue the path of righteousness and goodness and in faithfulness to God. That God is in the business of encouraging us. That his word is actually an encouragement for us to keep going. Amen. It's powerful in that way. But we don't think of God as a personal encourager in, 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 in most of our in most of our um, situations, um, you know, you take the Old Testament, you know, Elijah in the wilderness, you know, where God came alongside Elijah all by himself. He wanted to take his own life. And God said, don't be ridiculous. You know how many people are followers of mine in the nation of Israel? And you think you're all alone. And you think you're all alone. Here's, here's the reality. See, an encourager has a way of giving you the reality. Did you ever wonder about that too? Someone outside of yourself is actually giving you a real picture of hope. And you're thinking just the opposite. They're just, you know, they're just blowing me up beyond reality. But, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, God is an encourager. is showing you the reality of what it looks like when you continue on the path of goodness. That's the reality. It may not feel like it in the moment, but continue the reality. You may not want to in the moment, but continue in the reality. Because at some point, the reality is going to be felt by you, and you're going to be thankful for the encouragement you got back here. And you're going to look back and you're going to say, am I ever thankful they came alongside? Am I ever thankful they carried me? Am I ever thankful they were the hands and feet of Jesus when I needed it most? Here's the second thing. Actively put it into practice by encouraging others. This is, this is wild. Hebrews says, think of ways to encourage one another. I, I, I love that. How many of us get up in the morning and say, I'm going to be you know, here or I'm going to be at church, and I have to think of a way to encourage so-and-so, be it work, be it you know, whatever. How many of us actually think of ways um, to encourage one, one another? This is how I know we are sinful people, by the way, is I know if we are asked to do payback, revenge, how easy it is for us to do that. 
And yet, when it comes to encouraging one another, why do we struggle? Why do we struggle to encourage one another? It says to think about it. You know, um, this wonderful, this, this wonderful um, picture. Now, maybe you've heard me say this before. You can't talk about encouragement out of the Bible without talking about the person of Barnabas. You just, you just can't. He is the picture of encouragement. And, you know, and, and what I really find interesting is, jo- is Barnabas' actual name is Joseph. But we don't know him as Joseph. You know, he mentions it once in the Bible that his name is actually Joseph. Because he was such an amazing encourager that Barnabas is actually his nickname. It actually means son of encouragement. That's how powerful an encourager he was. In fact, there's only one negative story about Barnabas. And it's only because him and the Apostle Paul got in a fight. Because Barnabas was such an encourager, he wanted to take Mark with him, with them. And Paul said, no, I don't think he's ready yet. And, and Barnabas is going, oh, come on, come on. He may be young, but let's encourage him. And the Apostle Paul went, no, I don't think so. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Apostle Paul. But you know what? Here's, here's what I believe very strongly. We, we celebrate the Apostle Paul. You know, this great writer of the New Testament and, and, and many of the books in the New Testament, the starter and planning of churches. I believe God knew to put a person like Barnabas beside the Apostle Paul. That the Apostle Paul spent more years in prison than he did outside of prison after he became a believer. Did you know that? But the Apostle Paul, to accomplish his mission, had to have someone like Barnabas beside him as a second in order to encourage him and to strengthen him and to build him up and to continue to move him forward in the plan that God had for him. I don't think, I don't think that's any mistake whatsoever on God's part. I think Barnabas was absolutely planted by God. And, and, and how, many of, how many of us in our, in our own lives know about a person that we have to give thanks for because we would not be where we are today without them? That's Barnabas, his nickname. And I've often joked, you know, I, I, I've often joked, if, if, if the church was going to adopt nicknames, what would yours be? Think about it. <laughs> Think about it, right? You know, Barnabas was such a powerful encourager that we don't even know him as Joseph. We know him by his nickname. What if you had... What if the hand of God was on you in such a way that people knew you by your gift and, but not by the name you were given? Because it was so evident what God had given you. That's Barnabas. That's the power of encouragement. That's the strength of carrying someone like the Apostle Paul. And don't think for a second the Apostle Paul would have been an easy person to carry. In the, in the least. Okay, here's, here's number three. Here's number three. Use encouragement as a way to guard your faith. And I said this before. You know, worship time, the time that we collect together as churches, the time that we get together as people, as a community, as a family. You know, we neglect the, the, the concept that it's really to get together and encourage. That worship is part of that. 
How many times, you know, I, and again, how many times you heard people say, I heard the, the whole church singing, and you know how powerful that was in my life. And in essence, what they're saying, I was so encouraged by the people of God, it gave me the strength to continue the week ahead. We need that. We need that. We absolutely, absolutely need, need that. All right? Okay, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, some uh, big takeaways re- regarding encouragement. All right? Encouragement is the tool that keeps at bay our natural tendency towards cynicism, doubt, and negativity. You know, is it fair to say that we naturally, you know, uh, we hear one bad thing out of a really good week, and what do we consume our week with is the one bad thing? Okay? You know, science has proven that seven, it takes seven positive things to undo one negative thing. Imagine, no, no, take that personally. Imagine what happens when somebody says something negative to you. How much, how much traction does that get in your life? Imagine. Imagine. And you know what? They could very well have said a couple of good things in the midst of those. But we all know, we all know, the thing that we latch onto is the negative. And then we say things like, well, at least they acknowledge that I was good at this. And it's kind of like a defeatist sort of, sort of thing. All right? Now, I'm not saying we don't, you know, come alongside someone that has to hear something. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. But is it, is it not fair to say, is it not fair to say, that we don't lean into encouragement more than we ought to. Is it fair to say? Here's the second thing. Encouragement is a spiritual gift and discipline given by the Spirit of God for the strengthening of the people of God. You hear all those one, one another passages? Do you know that there's over a hundred passages in the Bible that talk about encouragement? Most of them in the New Testament. And that's not even including all the one another passages. Love one another, serve one another, greet, you know, you know, all those one another passages are devised to be encouragement passages. If you read the community passages of the church, it's all about encouragement. It's all about strengthening people. It's all about this gift that God has given the church. The church should be the most encouraging place on the planet. It should be. Number three. Encouragement is often the only thing keeping us from falling away or falling apart. Amen? We've all been there. We've all been there. You know? And, 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 and here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the rub that really gets me. It's rarely someone saying, you know, theologically, you're positioned as, 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 a, as a child of God. And God's, you know, so... Because you're positionally in that place, you shouldn't be discouraged. Now, I'm not poo-pooing theology, but that's not always very helpful, is it? We, there's, so much, here, there's so much that we acknowledge theologically about our position and our faith in Christ. But often the circumstances of life can tend to push us in a direction that thinks that God doesn't love us anymore. And we need someone to come alongside and say, you know what? God loves you, but I love you too. Because whatever is demonstrated vertically, theologically, 
that is not demonstrated horizontally in our lives, we feel there's a disconnect. And as I've always said, this is why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love each other as yourselves. Because what happens vertically that doesn't happen horizontally, we suddenly feel God is not saying the truth. And there's so many people, there's so many people that mentally they can assess their position in Christ, but they are so discouraged that they're ready to fall away. They're ready to fall apart. And it takes someone with flesh and skin and bones who are the hands and feet of Jesus to come alongside them and say, let me carry you for the next little while. And it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Here's number four. Encouragement costs nothing but can change everything. Isn't that true? Encouragement costs you absolutely nothing, but it can change everything. I don't know how many times I've seen, you know, a a, a discouraged person or a discouraged team or a discouraged, you know, organization or whatever. And one person comes along and puts sunshine into all of it. And I, and I don't mean just sunshine, you know, as, as, as a perky person, but real sunshine, real light to a situation, real hope into a situation. And it's amazing to me that just when you're about to fall apart or just when you're just about to give up or just, you know, whatever, and you don't think you should keep going, that one person comes along and suddenly it becomes worth it. Suddenly you become energized. Suddenly you want to walk forward and maybe give it another chance. Because one person made the difference. Encouragement costs you nothing. And it can change everything for someone else. But it costs you nothing. See, here's, here's, here's a couple more points. I don't have them on here. But here's the problem with, with, with encouragement. Encouragement cannot exist if appreciation doesn't exist. If you don't have any appreciation for what's going on. For instance, if you have no appreciation in the church... You have no appreciation for what's happening. If you have no appreciation for, you know, the, the, the people who are serving or no appreciation for, for, for whatever, you know, you, you, it's very hard to encourage them because it feels fake. You know, I think encouragement comes out of a heart that is thankful and is appreciative for what exists, for what God is doing in your life because you can't make that jump if you don't appreciate what you have in the first place. And I think this is one of the reasons why encouragement is so difficult. Because we don't live contented lives with what God has given us. We're always asking God for more. We're asking God to push. We're asking God for miracles. We're asking, you know, and we don't come to the place where we're appreciative of what we have. So encouragement is lacking. Because we don't see the gift of another person Because we see them as a tool for something else. Okay. Um, And and, and here's here's kind of the last point I want to make is, um, isn't it amazing that a great encourager can pull great things out of mediocrity, out of the average, out out of, even out of someone who, you wouldn't expect to be able to do what they just did. That's what a great encourager can do. 
And again, you know, um, they might not have all the skill. They might not be your first choice for, you know, putting them in this position because there might be somebody more skilled than them to actually get the job done. But the difference that a great encourager can make may be the, you know, all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Imagine, imagine a church full of Barnabases. Imagine for a second a church full of Barnabases. Would you want to clone them? What a difference it would make. A church of Barnabas. But listen, nothing, 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 nothing can ruin a church faster than a spirit of discouragement. Because discouragement leads to hopelessness and hopelessness leads to despair. We don't ever, as a church, want to ever get to the point of despair. The gift of encouragement costs you nothing, but for the church, it can be everything. It can be everything. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now as we get ready to close the last last song. And you don't want to miss next week. Next week is the closing of the sermon series of community builders. You know, the things that make um, a difference, the habits that make a difference to the church, these community building church. And also I want to remind you about June 26th. June 26th, okay. I'm going to get emails about this. June 26th is not important because we're having our congregational meeting. It is important. Sorry. It is important because we're having baptisms, parental dedications, and, uh, and memberships on that day. It's, that's amen? Okay. It's more important for that. So you don't want to miss that. If you're looking to get baptized, if you want to do a parental dedication, if, if you're you know, coming into membership, I encourage you to be here. We're you know, back to one service, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful celebration of everything that God is doing in this church. Can we bow our heads together and seek the Lord, our encourager? Father in heaven, thank you for the encouragement that you bring into our lives each and every day. That, Lord, that regardless of the circumstances of our lives, your word gives us power and hope and expression of your love to us that we can take with us and be reminded that we are not alone. Thank you for the encouragement of the church, the gathering of people who come alongside us, are able to carry us in moments where we need the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you for the life of Barnabas. And what a great witness he was and an encourager to the Apostle Paul. Where would we be if Paul had gotten discouraged and walked away? Lord, thank you for this wonderful gift of encouragement, the wonderful strength that we can have together as a community that as the world is seemingly coming undone, that the church of Jesus Christ, that the promise of Christ, who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, 
that we can hold on to that with the hope that we have as people gather together under one. Under one. Thank you for the encouragement that that brings to us this morning. We pray these things. We pray these things to the great encourager, the author of our salvation, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen.